Acts 20. We've been in Acts this year, and, and now we come to chapter 20, looking at um, Paul at the end of the third missionary journey. Um, but really, as I looked at this passage this week, the biggest thing that came out for me was this call to live for the whole truth. Emphasis on the word whole, not just part of the truth, but the whole truth. I have to admit, sometimes I don't want to hear the whole truth. You ever have that? Or you, you don't want to hear the whole truth? I had a situation like that. Uh, I used to work for a nonprofit called Rebound, as many of you know. And we had an annual fundraiser with Woods Coffee each year called Cups of Hope, where you could go to any Woods location and give $5 to Rebound and get a free coffee drink of your choice. It was a great fundraiser. And every year we promoted it over the radio. So we had a radio station come out and they do interviews there at Woods. This year I was at Linden. And so I gave a five minute spiel on what we were, what we were about, um, and what the, you know, all of our programs, all of it. And so I did that about 10 minutes later, a guy you may know, some of you may know, his name's Mark Warren, um, came, came down the, the stairs. His office was up above the woods where we were at. He came down the stairs and, he, and with him, he had a pad of notebook paper and there were a bunch of tally marks on it. And he asked me, hey, do you want to know how many times you said the word um in your radio interview? <laughs> and I said, no, get out of here. No, I didn't. I said, no, I, yeah, sure, tell me, what is it? 37 times in five minutes. It's like, I thought I did great, but you know, all of a sudden there's this glaring uh, facts. I said, oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be so self-conscious about saying um this whole service. But here's the facts. You said um 37 times. And I love Mark, so Mark does professional counseling and I had met with him a few times, so he wasn't just some random guy coming up and telling me that. But still, it was like the truth hurts. Sometimes the truth hurts. I didn't do as great a job as I thought. And here's the proof. I don't know if you ever feel that way. Sometimes you just want to be told, hey, you're doing great. Keep going, you're doing great. You don't wanna know the whole truth. Sometimes you just wanna say, hey, save that information. Maybe we'll talk about it later, not, not in the middle of this. But what I've learned through the years is that healthy people can take that kind of feedback, right? Healthy people can take honest feedback. They can, they can handle it because Healthy people don't just want to hear a partial truth, all the good stuff. They actually want to hear the hard stuff, too, so that they can grow from that, so that they can grow. It's actually hearing those hard things will help you grow more than just the encouragement. And so healthy people want to hear both, even when it's hard to hear those things. I remember when I first started preaching, uh, a a guy made me watch a videotape of my preaching, and I cringed half the time. Um, you, and feel free to count my ums during this message. I'm just saying, get that tally sheet out. Let me know how I'm doing. That's not what this is about. But seeing the truth can sometimes be hard. How about when it comes to our faith? Do we like hearing the hard word as well as the good word? The, the easier word? Do we want to wrestle with the whole truth or just the parts that we like? For example, I've heard it said that some people are God is God people and some people are God is love people. Some people hang out on the authority of God. 
get right with God, obey God. And that's what they convey to the world, where other people focus on the love of God and the kindness of God, and that's what they want to convey to the world. But what if God is God and God is love? What do you struggle with more, the love part or the God part? And so today, as we look at Acts 20, the question that I want us to wrestle with is this. How can we make sure that we are living for the whole truth? How can we make sure that we're not just picking and choosing? How can we make sure that we're on the same page with God? And as I say this, I want to be clear that nobody has it figured out. Nobody has it all figured out. No one knows everything there is to know about God except for God. And so we could spend our whole lives studying scripture, praying, pursuing God in community, all of it, and there would still be more to learn. Right? So when I say whole truth, I'm not saying you need to know everything. But what does the Bible say? The Bible says that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus talked about the narrow way, that there is a wide path that leads to destruction, and there's a narrow path that leads to life. This is what it says in Proverbs 3. It says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. So in Christianity, truth is presented as a path. It's not presented as a manual, although we have all of the truth of God in this book, but it's presented as a path. It's something you walk in and grow in. We have a unique way of talking about the truth. The way that the Bible frames truth it, it's not a buffet that we pick and choose the parts we like. I'll take a little bit of this, a little bit of grace, a little bit of love, and that's my truth. That's not how it works. We don't pick and choose. We actually follow Jesus on this path, and he shows us more and more who God is and who we are as we go. And so truth for us is something that we discover more and more of as we grow in him. And so in Acts 20, what, this describes the end of Paul's third missionary journey. And we're going to pay most of our time, most of our attention to a farewell address that Paul gave to the elders of the church in Ephesus. And what we see in each missionary journey is that Paul sorts of, sort of builds a regional hub for the church in all of, these different, all of these different efforts. So the first hub was in Antioch where Paul spends a considerable amount of time training pastors and elders. The second one is Corinth, where Paul spends two years building up pastors and elders to lead the church in that region. And now the third is Ephesus, uh, where he, spending, he spent three years, the most amount of time out of all of his journeys, uh, building up the church. And so when chapter 20 opens, we find him teaching in the region around Ephesus in a city called Troas. And while he's, there, while he's there, we see that he's giving a long lecture to a group of people. He's, he's talking into the night, into midnight. There's a, everybody's huddled in this upstairs room, and he's reporting what God's done. He's teaching them well into the night uh, as much as he can. And what we find out is there's a young man there named Eutychus who is probably between 8 and 14 years old, had probably worked all day, 
And it come, come around midnight, he falls asleep, falls out of a third-story window, falls to the ground, and dies in the middle of Paul's sermon. And so Paul rushes down, and this is what it says in Acts 20, verse 10. It says, But Paul went down and bent over him, and taking him in his arms, said, Do not be alarmed, for his life is in him. And when Paul had gone up and had broken bread and eaten, he conversed with them a long while until daybreak, and so departed. And they took the youth away alive and were not a little comforted. So you see Paul's commitment to the truth reflected in that he just goes. He's like the energizer bunny. He just goes and goes and goes. He teaches and teaches and teaches. He cannot be stopped. Even someone falling out of a window, dying and being resurrected does not stop Paul from preaching. That's commitment, people. It makes me think, I'm kind of a history guy, and it makes me think a little bit of Teddy Roosevelt, if you've studied any of Teddy Roosevelt's life. Um, Teddy Roosevelt was a president at the turn of the 20th century, and he was famous for going a million miles an hour and for being a jabberbox. He would wear people down by just talking them, uh, talking them down, wearing them out. Um, historians say that he drank coffee all day. Um, one historian called him a gas bag. Uh, my favorite story about Teddy Roosevelt is th there was a point where he was on the campaign trail and he was uh, speaking at, at an event, I think in Wisconsin, and somebody shot him. And, and the bullet hit him in the chest. And fortunately, he had a 50-page book in a steel eyeglass case that slowed it down. And he stopped and he told everybody what was going on. And then he went on for another hour speaking. And so I'm not... I'm not saying Paul's like Teddy Roosevelt, but what I'm saying is there's like a relentlessness to Paul, right? There's this relentlessness. I'm not going to stop. I'm committed. I don't care if people are falling out of windows. Like, I am going to keep preaching. And so we see that Paul squeezed every last drop of his time he had. He preached till morning uh, so that, that the church would, would know everything he could possibly teach them. But that's not the story I want to focus on so much today. I want to focus on where he goes next. We find him next in a little town called Miletus. And he's decided, um, and, and as he goes there, he decides that he doesn't want to travel up into Ephesus um, because he's on his way to Jerusalem. So he sends for the elders of Ephesus to come down and meet him in this town called Miletus. So they have to make an 80-mile round trip on foot to get to Paul. And so obviously Paul has some important things to say to these leaders if he's asking them to travel 80 miles round trip. And basically what we find out is that when they arrive, Paul is giving them a farewell address. Uh, that he doesn't think he's going to survive uh, past Jerusalem. So this is the end. These are the words that Paul wants these elders who he's invested three years in to know. And so this morning, I want to look at what he said. And also, it's important to note that Luke, who wrote the book of Acts, traveled with Paul, wrote the book of Acts. He's only giving us an abbreviated version of what Paul spoke. And so we're just getting the cliff notes from, from Scripture. I'm sure Paul spoke more and in more detail than, than what we get, but we get the main ideas. So let's look at verse 18, and we're going to read... Um, half of, of Paul's message here. It says this, You yourselves know how I lived among you the whole time from that first day that I set foot in Asia, 
serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials that happened to me through the plots of the Jews, how I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you in public and from house to house, testifying both to Jews and to Greeks of repentance toward God and of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And now, behold, I am going to Jerusalem, constrained by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and afflictions await me. But I do not account my life of any value, nor as precious to myself, if only I may finish my course in the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. And now, behold, I know that none of, you, no, none of you among whom I have gone about proclaiming the kingdom will see my face again. Therefore, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all, for I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. And that's really the concept that, that he hammers home, this idea of the whole counsel of God. Paul held nothing back when he was teaching. And you see the things that he focused on. Repentance, faith, grace, the kingdom of God. He wanted to make sure that they knew the whole truth. And sometimes when, when you leave for a better job or for a better life, it's bittersweet, right? Because on one hand, you know man, I'm going to miss these people, but I've got something waiting for me over here. This is not that moment for Paul. Paul's heading into, it's more like a going to war scene. He knows that trouble is going, is awaiting him in Jerusalem. And so as he speaks, these are important words. These are almost like last words, the last things that he wants to know. And so he is reflecting on his ministry. He's reflecting on why it counted. And as he, he, as he pours out his heart, um, he gets real, he gets vulnerable, but he shows us where he finds peace in his ministry, what is bringing him peace. And the, the peace that he has is in the fact that he held nothing back. He did not play it safe. He held nothing back. He says, I do not account my life of any value nor as precious to myself if only I may finish my course and the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. So Paul's peace is knowing, hey, I'm, I, I did what God asked me to do. I did what God asked me to do. I'm, I'm finishing the course God has set out. I, I feel great about, he doesn't feel great about leaving these guys, but he, he doesn't feel like his time with them was incomplete because he taught them everything he could possibly teach them. He was faithful to what God had called them to do. And then twice this word, uh, this word, the, the fact that he did not shrink back shows up. He didn't shrink in the moment. He didn't hold anything back, but he taught them, first he says, anything that was profitable, anything that would help them in their life, in their journey with God. And then he says this, he says, this, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all, for I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. I fulfilled my responsibility to teach you the truth. I think that's so important because what God puts in us, we need to give to others, right? We're, we're not just responsible for ourselves knowing the truth. We're responsible for 
other people knowing the truth as well. Those who we have relationship with, um, those in this room, those outside of this room. The truth is not just something for us, it's something to steward for other people. It's something to spread. And, and Paul takes peace in knowing that he didn't shrink back from sharing that. He didn't shrink back from declaring the whole counsel of God, talking about grace, talking about things people need to repent of, talking about faith, talking about the kingdom of God. He didn't hold back. He shared about all of it. He shared all of it with them. And as I reflected on this, I know sometimes it's, it's really hard to say the things that need to be said sometimes, right? The things that challenge people. The, the Mark Warren stuff. No, I'm kidding. Um, but the, the things that, that are going to challenge people. And I can tell you as I look back on my life, there are times I wish I could go back and get some do-overs. Be like, man, I wish I said that. I wish I didn't shrink back. I wish, I wish, I wish. And there have been moments where I did feel like I held back a little bit. And there is some shame there that I've had to give to God. Like, ugh. Help me in the future. And my prayer has been, God, help me to be a, a stronger witness. God, help me to not be timid in, in moments that require strength. God, help me be bold. Help me say what needs to be said. Help me not shrink back. Because I've been that timid guy before. Like, I've been timid before. I know I don't appear like I've ever been timid. Come on. But I have. And I know that's weird for a pastor to say, but boldness and, and strength of speech is something that God's had to grow in me. And so what do we need to do with this word? I think there's two challenges here for us. I think there's two challenges. And the first is this, is that part of our identity as Christians is that we are witnesses to Jesus. We are witnesses to the truth of Jesus. And so Jesus has called you to be his witness. The question is, are you? Are you being a witness to Jesus? And you may not have the same gifting as Paul. Uh, I, I doubt any of us have the same gifting as Paul. But that doesn't mean that we also aren't called to be witnesses to the people in our lives to speak about what Jesus has done, but also what he's done for us. What has God done for you? Just be a witness. All being a witness is, is speaking to the truth. God's done this in my life. Like if, if I wasn't following Jesus, my life would look like this. This is what Jesus has redeemed me from. This is what Jesus has helped me overcome. That's the best way to witness. It's not just hammering people with the Bible. It's, it's sharing personally, like witnessing to the, the love and grace of God as it, it transformed your life. And it can transform other lives as well. And so that's the question is, is are you holding back? Are you withholding from other people? Because, because that is a dangerous place to be. That's a dangerous place to be. You are the link that God chose to spread the good news of Jesus to the world. And what I don't want to do, because I've heard a lot of messages about this topic, the, 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 the point is not to create guilt, um, because I know what that feels like, and that's actually demotivating, but I'm just here to tell you that part of following Christ, part of what God has made you to be, is his witness. That's part of your purpose on earth, is to, is to witness to the goodness of God. And it's part of, you know, 
you're laying our lives down to follow Jesus is taking that call, taking that part of our identity seriously, that I, I represent Jesus to the world, that, that I share the good things that God has done for me with other people. And that will change your home, your workplace, your neighborhood, all of it. And if I know there are moments where you want to say something, but you don't know what to say. And, and if I'm reading scripture correctly, pray. Pray more. Ask God what to say. Because what I see in the book of Acts over and over and over again is that all these guys had to do was open their mouths and the Holy Spirit spoke for them. All they had to do is take that step over the line and God just gave them words. And I tell you, I mean, I've experienced that before and it's powerful. When you just take a step of faith, you don't know what you're going to say, uh, but you just do it anyways. I felt that and it's really, really cool. Because the Holy Spirit does show up when we step out in faith. And this might be the area where you need to step out in faith. So here's the second challenge for us I see from this text. Are you living according to everything that you know? This is a question of integrity. Like, as you, as you grow in the truth of God, this is a question that we wrestle with all the time. Am I, is my life, does my life reflect the truth that I know? The truth that I know about God. Does, does the way that I live reflect the truth that I know about God? Because being a Christian means that we follow Jesus according to his word. If you want to know what, what God's will for you is, it starts here. It starts here. R spending time in scripture, knowing what God's will for you is. Sometimes we get, we get stuck on the big changes in our lives when really God just wants to tell us who we are. And are we faithful to do the things that he's called us to be? Um, because if we, if we aren't being formed by the word of God, then often we will fall into that temptation of just picking and choosing the things we like and not living in a state where God is challenging us to grow. Um, in the book of James, it talks about not just being a hearer, but also being a doer. Don't just be a hearer of the word, but also do what it says. And, and that's how we know that we are we're walking in the truth, when we don't just hear the word, but we do what it says. And, and I talked about it being dangerous. This is the warning from 1 John it, that I wanted to share. It says this in 1 John 2, verse 4. It says, whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, and in him truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. Now I tell you, the first time I read this verse, you know, my heart sunk a little bit. Like, oh man, I've got so much growing to do. Or there's so many parts of my life where I don't feel like I'm walking the way Jesus walked. Well, guess what? None of us are probably walking the way that Jesus walked, right? None of us are. It's only through the Holy Spirit that we can begin to become more like Jesus. We can begin to walk more like him. But this is the test of this verse. If we're truly following Jesus, we should becoming more, be becoming more like him as we journey along. So are we loving people more? Um, are we bringing people hope? Are we caring for the poor? Are we giving? Are we submitted to God in every area of our lives? Is our time submitted to God? 
is our is our work life submitted to God? Is our sex life submitted to God? Is our is our life as a as a parent as a spouse is that submitted to God? And so, again, this is not to make you feel guilty, but it is an opportunity to to ask the Holy Spirit, God, where do I need to grow? Where do I need to align more with Your will? We need the whole counsel of God because we need to see ourselves the way that God sees us. That's where we get a clear picture of how God sees us when we're engaged in the world. We can create a truth buffet, but then we'll never really know where we stand before God. And so we have to be dedicated to growing in his word. Because what 1 John shows us is that if we're not living according to what we know about God, then we're deceiving ourselves. It calls us liars, that we're deceiving ourselves. We're living in a lie, and I don't want that. And, and I know you don't want that. So that's why it's so important uh, to get right with God, to make sure that we are living according to what we know. Because God is love, and he is patient, and he is gracious, but he's also God. He's also the authority. He's also the author of life. He's also the one holding the universe together. And so what does that mean for us? I mean, I think that just means that we need to be comfortable with honesty with God. We need to be really comfortable with, with honesty with God and honesty with each other. And that's what you see from Paul is you see a lot of honesty. Hey, I didn't hold back. When something needed to be addressed, I addressed it. And so we need to be honest uh, with, with ourselves, uh, asking ourselves these questions, coming to church to be challenged, um, and, and also honest with each other in love. It's always truth in love. And so if we see a brother or sister struggling, we don't hold back words that would help them, right? We don't hold back. And that doesn't mean that we become jerks, okay? We, it's, not, it's not a license to be a jerk, but that means we walk alongside people, right? We walk alongside people. We journey with them on the path uh, of truth. You know, sometimes, um, sometimes having a, a hard conversation is actually more loving than just being encouraging, right? It's kind of what I, what I was getting at at the beginning, like, if all you heard from people was affirming, 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 you would never grow. Because you would have no one with the tally sheet showing you, hey, did you know you said um 37 times uh, in this speech that you gave? The, you wouldn't grow. And so as we see people struggling, it's important to be honest and loving. How can I honestly address this situation, but how can I do it? with the love of Jesus. The only way to do that is to do it with Jesus, right? If you want to do something in love, do it with Jesus. Because like Paul, I want us to have that peace of mind. That man, I didn't hold anything back. I walked in the truth. I shared the truth. I was a witness. Because that is freedom. It's when we live in the will of God. And if you've never experienced the, the grace of God, if you've never come to that point where like, yeah, I, I believe, or I, I want to know Jesus, just know that you are invited to walk that path, that narrow path, that you're invited to know Jesus, that through the grace of God, you have access to him, that it doesn't depend on anything you do, that it's all on Jesus. And, and Paul taught that, the, taught that whole good news that 
It does, our salvation does not depend on what we do, but what Jesus did, and we're all invited um, to walk on that path. And so after Paul shares his heart and shares what's bringing him peace with these elders, uh, he gives them this warning, and he tells them to be alert. I just want to share this um, as, we, as we close. He says, Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, and not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore, be alert, remembering that for three years I did not cease night or day to admonish everyone with tears. Now, this is a weird place to end, but this is, this is the idea. Like, we need to stay alert. Paul talks about, hey, I'm leaving. You trusted me. I discipled you. Watch out for wolves. Watch out for wolves. Wolves are people who will come in and speak twisted things and draw people away from following Jesus and actually have them following themselves and their, their, own, their own thing, their own ministry, whatever it is. It won't be about following Jesus. It'll be about following another individual. And so Paul says, hey, stay alert. Make sure that you're protecting uh, the flock from any kind of influence that would lead them Astray, And even in our own lives, we need to watch out for wolves. We need to make sure that we're following Jesus, not any person, not anyone who's going to lead us astray, not someone that will just tell us all the good things and withhold the bad things, uh, not someone who twists the word of God to make it fit, um, but really helps us to, um, to dive into what it actually means for us. Because I know, like, we all want to be affirmed, but we also need to be challenged. Like, I want to know who I am, and I do want comfort from this book, but I also want to be changed by it. And change is hard sometimes, and looking at the truth is hard, but it's the only path to growth. And so don't look for people who will just tell you what you want to hear, but will, but will challenge you from a point of love in your relationship with God. People who will, help, who will call you to know God and know his will for you more and more. And that's what we're called to be. We're called to be a loving church, a loving community, and an honest church, and an honest community. And so my prayer for us is that we would all be on this path of growth, that none of us would shrink back um, from, from sharing or saying what needs to be said, but that we would pray that God would give us the power to, to speak when we need to speak or, or to be quiet when we need to be quiet. All of our strength comes from God. And so whatever changes need to be made as we look both in, internally and externally, we don't do this in, on our own. We do this in the power of God. We get to rely and rest in his grace. We get to rest in his love as we move forward. Let's pray. Lord, we, uh, we thank you, God, that you aren't far away. And Lord, that you don't just speak to us from a distance, but that you actually are intimately involved in our life. 
Uh, Lord, that you, uh, you care about all the details. Lord, that you want us to grow in the truth and that you're patient and you're gracious with us as we walk this path. And I, I thank you for that. And I pray, God, that you would just show us the next step of faith in our lives. God, that you would help us to become a testimony of your grace. Lord, that you do such a work in our lives that, Lord, we, we couldn't help but share it with other people. Lord, we, that we wouldn't have to make anything up, God, that we just say, look at my life. Look at what God has done in my life as I've trusted him. And so, Lord, I pray that you would help us to, to trust you more, and I pray that you would help us to grow uh, in Jesus as we follow you. Amen.